Hello, GM, GM, and welcome to another episode of the Dead NFT Artist Society. I'm your host, Meta David. On today's episode, we have Danny Yang, the CEO and one of the co-founders of MetaGood, which is the parent company of OnChain Monkey. Danny's been called by some folks in the space as one of the most technical founders. He's been in crypto for over a decade, and he also founded the largest crypto exchange in Taiwan, an extremely bright guy. OnChain Monkey is a collection I've been tweeting a lot about since December. Yes, I am a holder, and no, I'm not trying to pump my own bags. The reason I'm tweeting about him is because I'm so impressed by what OnChain Monkey has been doing from a technical standpoint, being the first 10K PFP collection on Ethereum, all-in-one transaction, and now the first 10K PFP collection on Bitcoin, period, that I felt like as someone who people look to as a subject matter expert, I have an obligation to share these innovations with my friends and with my listeners. So I really enjoyed my chat with Danny, and I think you will too. And as always, at the end of this episode, I'll give shout outs to everyone who minted the last episode of the podcast. But before we get to all that, a word from our sponsors. Ledger is the smartest way to secure your crypto holdings. Its hardware wallets are trusted by over 4 million customers and secure, manage, and store over 1,800 crypto assets. Using the Ledger Live app, you will have a one-stop shop for your crypto needs. Buy, sell, exchange, and grow your assets with Ledger's partners easily and securely. Stop getting your wallet drained. Head over to ledger.metadavideth.com and take self-custody today. Have you ever wanted to display your NFT art in the physical world? Look no further than Token Frame. Token Frame's patented high-quality physical displays start at 10 inches and run all the way up to 55 inches. They're truly built for authenticity. Just sign in with your wallet, connect to Wi-Fi, and cast your NFTs. It's really that simple. No subscriptions. They support Ethereum, Polygon, and Solana with Tezos on the way soon. It's no wonder Token Frame is trusted by OpenSea, SuperRare, Nifty Gateway, Known Origin. Start flexing your NFT art by visiting tokenframe.metadavideth.com today. Hey, Danny, welcome to the podcast. Morning. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. So I was eager to have you on the podcast because there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with OnChain Monkey, a whole bunch of stuff with going, uh, going on with Bitcoin ordinals. Now you've got Bitcoin stamps. And then there's a collaboration that MetaGood is doing with Asprey and Bugatti. So let's just kind of kick it off with the basics. Tell us a little bit about OnChain Monkey and maybe a little bit about what's differentiated them because they've really stood the test of time. The market's been very volatile. Floor prices, for the most part, all across the board have been down. But OnChain Monkey has been relatively immune to that. So that's, you know, probably there's a differentiator there that we can talk a little bit about. But let's just start off with uh, telling, if you could tell us a little bit about OnChain Monkey. Great. Yeah, OnChain Monkey. Yeah, we, we, we started back in 2021 and we've been pretty much building nonstop. We're known for, you know, three things, community, art, and technology. And those are things that, you know, we've been really focused building. And... OnChain Monkey started, well, one thing in our name is on-chain, right? We are very much about doing NFTs on-chain. And that's, there's a reason for that because, you know, NFTs are, how we view NFTs as digital assets or digital artifacts is that, you know, you really should own everything, the whole digital thing, right? So the NFT should include 
the image. She include the metadata. It shouldn't be pointed somewhere else. And so on-chain monkey was back in September 2021, uh, you know, the first PFP collection, all 10K created all on-chain in one transaction on Ethereum. So, you know, that was unique in, in its launch. And so this is the on-chain monkey Genesis collection. And and we built a community around it. And so the the NFT is what we say is, you know, the on-chain monkey NFTs are the passport to the wealthy digital nation. And that's that we're building. And then about a uh, in 2022, we, we launched the Karma collection. So these are the two, you know, passports into our ecosystem. And then this year, in 2023, we we basically uh, joined the Ordinals movement. So this is Bitcoin and NFTs on Bitcoin. And we can talk, we were talking more about Ordinals, you know, in this segment. But, you know, we inscribed inscription 2021-9, which matches the year and month of the original OG collection. So that's inscription 2021-9. That is where all 10,000 Anchi Monkey Genesis, you know, live on Bitcoin. So I'm going to ask a community question that I know a lot of fellow on-chain monkeyers have been very uh, eager to understand. So why monkeys versus zebras or chickens or any other animals out there? So it, it has to do with the on-chain art. It, it was what looked good uh, in the medium of doing it all on-chain in the very compact uh, representation on-chain. On so it was super, being like super efficient with the art design and code. So it is the code that created the, the whole collection. So, you know, the art of the collection is code. And on Ethereum, we said we're the first, you know, it's 10K PFP on-chain in one transaction. And in in the Bitcoin, you know, Ornos, we were the um, basically also the first 10K collection inscribed on Bitcoin. And we also did it in a super, super efficient way where we used less than 20,000 bytes for the entire 10,000 images, metadata, everything. So if you divide that out by 10,000, that's less than two bytes per image. I think what really this space rewards is whenever a collection is the first to do something. And so I think CryptoPunks were, you know, rewarded for being like the first 10K PFP collection, at least perceived to be. And then I think with OnChain Monkey, uh, they're being rewarded for being like the first 10K PFP collection all on one transaction, which I think is a key differentiator between all the other projects out there because that really takes a magic technical innovation to be able to do something like that. So hats off to you, mad respect for being able to pull off such a feat. And then being the first 10K PFP collection on Bitcoin Ordinal, um, and I saw as an observer and also as a holder, uh, that floor price really significantly increased. And I think what's also interesting, I wasn't around for this, but on-chain monkey started off as a free mint, right? That's right. But there's more to being first. So, you know, crypto punks, right? They were the, they're like the OG uh, NFT, their 10K collection and, and PFP too. And they kind of, um, they, they were around for a couple of years, but then, you know, they kind of launched the whole NFT PFP craze that happened the last two years. So, you know, every work that's kind of the OG for the whole 10K PFPs. So for, for us, actually on Bitcoin, we're the first 10K collection inscribed uh, period. And also we did it in a way that's very efficient. That's great for, you know, the future of generative art on, on Bitcoin. So we'll see more, you know, basically, you know, we're showing one of the ways that 
that actually a significant way that many you know future creators can create you know NFTs on Bitcoin. So you know that's as important as being first, being first in something that's you know significant. So let's talk about Bitcoin because I feel like nobody can get away from that on their Twitter feeds. Bitcoin ordinals and a whole bunch of things going on there. What the heck is it? Is it like Bitcoin NFTs or can you just tell us a little bit about that? And I know that you're really at the forefront of spearheading a lot of cool things like you talked about with being the first 10K PFP collection on Bitcoin ordinals protocol. Oh, totally. So, okay. Well, first, uh, yes, they are all NFTs. However, people in the ordinal space like to say they're not NFTs for a big reason that Bitcoin NFTs and Ethereum NFTs are very, very different. And one of the key differences is whether it's on chain or not. So, and it comes down to standards. So, but, but first of all, Ordos is very new. So we are in the time of pretty much and, and related standards too. So it, it's like we're in a time when CryptoPunks just launched on Ethereum, right? ERC721 didn't exist. You know, people weren't like when, it, CryptoPunks came out, people are kind of confused, you know, what it is. So then, and a new creators who wanted to create stuff um, didn't have a good model to do it by. Uh, ERC721 came around on Ethereum and it helped everyone, you know, make lots of NFTs on Ethereum, but in the way that, in the, in the Ethereum standards way. So the standard on Ethereum is that the image is a URL, it's a pointer to somewhere else. So NFTs on Ethereum, if they're images, which many are, and PFPs, you know, images, they point to either a centralized server or IPFS, but not on Ethereum. It is not native to the chain. So, so the chain represents kind of like a certificate of ownership, perhaps, or a token, a tradable token, but not the actual digital asset because the image lives somewhere else. Okay, now here is Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin, the the the, so what is an ordinal, right? Ordinals on Bitcoin or NFTs on Bitcoin. However, the inscription part, which is the image part or the data part, or metadata part of an ordinal is actually on Bitcoin by design. So that is pretty much a very different um, kind of understanding of what an NFT is on the two chains. So the majority or pretty much all the ordinals that have been inscribed so far are all on chain. The metadata images, they're all actually on Bitcoin. So when you own that ordinal, you actually, you know, own all the digital, you know, property that, that belongs to that NFT, unlike a pointer to IPFS or, or even a centralized server, right? So that's a big difference in, in the two. So that also means that it's actually a lot more expensive or, or challenging for creators to actually create ordinals because on-chain is actually uh, more constraining than than a um, basically a pointer to IPFS. Uh, that's why uh, it's you know it's it's hard to do a ten thousand collection right on Ordinals or on chain on Ethereum for that matter right. There aren't that many on chain uh, collections like ten k collections on on Ethereum because it's just hard to do. It's very constraining, right? So so th this is kind of our you know expertise of actually doing you know on chain collections because I mean on chain monkey is it's actually literally in the name. And so I think what's exciting about Bitcoin is also the other thing that's exciting about Bitcoin, uh, besides being kind of early and before you really have like the ERC721 type standard for Bitcoin, is that it is the biggest, you know, highest value, you know, cryptocurrency, right? Uh, it is also the most secure and decentralized, you know, it is the best store of value for the fungible token Bitcoin. And now we're seeing that you can do that for 
these new non-fungible tokens via the Ornos protocol. And people really have, have um, embraced it. I mean, we've had a million, we, we got to a million inscriptions yesterday and it, it just keeps growing. And so given its properties, Bitcoin's properties, you know, we'll, we'll probably see the highest value NFTs, you know, being put onto Bitcoin because that's where, you know, it can be you know, most securely stored. And, and I mean, where, why else would, or, I mean, if, if you have a high value NFT, right, it, it makes sense to, to put on Bitcoin. Once you figure out the, the actually how, how to actually inscribe it on Bitcoin. So that's one of the tricky parts because of the limited storage. I think what struck me about everything that you said is like, when you say Bitcoin, we think about how high value items. And I think it's really interesting that now we can actually inscribe things on Bitcoin. And I think that's probably me. I'm just guessing on this, that maybe where the descriptor inscribe comes from, because it's literally on the chain. And something I've talked quite a bit about on my podcast throughout the past year is the importance of blockchain, at least in my perception, because uh, I am an on-chain maxi. And the reason is, is because I can say see a future where you have this expectation of an image to uh, appear and it doesn't appear anymore because, uh, and I've talked about on my po podcast that no one's paying for a pinning service or it was on a centralized solution and the project's abandoned. And so uh, effectively the NFT is like useless. I mean, it's worthless then because it doesn't exist. And that's why I'm such an on-chain maxi is at least it takes away that, that element. And so you have that guarantee that the image is always going to be, it's always going to uh, populate. So um, and I think, you know, to your point, it does stand to reason that with Bitcoin, it has also a very high market cap too. It's the most, uh, as far as like the population of people or not people, but I should say the store value, like the, the total capitalization of Bitcoin is significantly higher than Ethereum. And I think, uh, as a buzzword, people recognize Bitcoin more than they do Ethereum. Uh, so when you're talking to like, quote unquote, normies, when you say that something's going to be on Bitcoin, I think that strikes a different nerve than, you know, talking about Ethereum and then like 721 versus 1155. So I think it all really bodes well as a positive story for Bitcoin ordinals. Now, one thing that struck me when I was on uh, playing around with uh, inscriptions is there isn't a concept, at least it seems like current state, there isn't a concept of collections. There's a, I mean, there's nothing that really stops me from taking an image of like my dead fellows as a PFP that I have, uploading it, it's inscribed and saying, oh, okay, now I've got, you know, something on, um, on the Bitcoin ordinal. So how did, how did on-chain monkey solve that problem as, as for being the first 10 K PFP collection on Bitcoin ordinals? Yeah, so we we actually create a collection ordinal, which is the the whole the whole collection is represented in that inscription, and then what's coming in the so so first of all, you know, ordinal's protocol itself is is very new, as they, as we said, it's kind of like being in the CryptoPunks on Ethereum era pre ERC seven twenty one. So what's coming is collection provenance to the to the protocol and to the implementation. So now people will be able to basically create a collection. Or no, and then basically mint individual or of that collection, and and that problem will be very clear. You know, every marketplace, every wallet will know that you know these or are part of this collection, uh, you know, part of this creator, and, and so on. So so that uh, that that is coming. It doesn't exist right now. Um, it does exist exist on I guess you say test net and and some um, experiments, 
but uh, it it is being tested and will be you know released, yeah, you know, within I would say you know probably weeks. So that'll allow basically a lot of, uh, yeah, uh, it'll allow for basically for collections also have more value because you know if you have clear co you know collection provenance, it's also more value for that collection. So uh, it seems like you guys kind of solved that problem preemptively. You recognized it. And uh, I'm not going to ask you how you did this, but there clearly was a secret sauce in getting inscription number 20219 uh, because that's ver a very precise number there. And I think that also lends very well to the provenance too to say that this is directly the PFP collection that kind of almost uh, – not literally, but figuratively speaking, bridges uh, the Ethereum collection to the uh, the Bitcoin one, uh, which is going to outlive all of us because both collections are on Bitcoin. Uh, both collections are on chain, so we've got to kind of be forward looking about this and understand that these collections will outlive us too, which is very cool. So I'm going to ask you something that I have some thoughts on this, and it frequently comes up in like Bitcoin chats is the significance of the inscription numbers. Because the way I'm looking at it is that is significant, but I also feel like the data is probably a little bit more significant than the inscription number. Like, I'm not trying to dismiss and say that the inscription number is not significant. It could be if there's like a value, but I feel like there's maybe too much weight being put on lower inscription numbers versus what's actually on the inscription. So I feel like if you have inscription number, you know, 52,376, which is going to be a very low inscription number in the future, but if it's just like, nonsense on there i don't know how valuable that is like who's going to pay for that so what are your thoughts on that yeah totally i mean people are speculating on the description number now it's like i guess you know domain names too um people just like like low you know like abc.com well i guess that's a, that's a brand name too like, let's say like qzr2.com right it's like four characters um you know it's uh, if it looks like a word, then it's going to be very valuable. If it's not, if it's just gibberish, there is some value too because it's short. You know, I think all of them are pretty much all like claimed by you know people. Definitely the three-letter ones, right? Domain names are so it's kind of like that. Uh, um, so there's there is a market for low inscription number. So this is actually it's a little more complex than that. So uh, so an ordinal has basically. The Satoshi, which is a Mart Satoshi, which has its own numbering system, and actually some of those have value too, because of um, whether they're common or uncommon. And then there's the numbering of when the inscription was created on the Bitcoin, you know, blockchain. So block, you know, Bitcoin is a blockchain; it's a chain of blocks. They're sequential; they're numbered. Right? Every block is numbered. So in in Ornos, every inscription has an ordering on the Bitcoin block just by the design of, of Bitcoin and so at the blockchain. So, so you can number them right from zero, which is the original one by Casey up to, you know, 1 million plus today. And some of those numbers people, you know, care more about. So right now people care about the very low numbers and then people care about like the number that hits certain milestones, like 100, 1000, 10,000, 100,000, then yesterday, 1 million. Um, there is still, and because the protocol well, also, you had earlier thing about, you know, how do we know to make a collection ordinal in the first place? The protocol, so there's a difference between ordinals to protocol, which is, you know, ordinals are capital O versus, you know, ordinals is single ordinal, you know, over the lowercase O, kind of like Bitcoin, capital B, the protocol, and Bitcoin, lower B, you know, the actual Bitcoin. 
that there's a fungible token. So the, the difference with the protocol or Oral's protocol is that, you know, those specs ha have been more clearly written out, um, you know, a while back. That's why, you know, we knew that the collection protocol is coming and we could create one. Um, the children of the collection or other possible types of ordinals according to the, or inscriptions. So, so you can, there are some, okay, the, the short, uh, thing I'm trying to say is th there are some inscriptions that according to the ordinal specification should be valid that are not included in the implementations of by pretty much most implementations of, of ordinals, you know, viewers and browsers and, and marketplaces. So we're going to have a bit of a um, decision point by the community. So there's like a kind of you know, consensus around all the people in ordinals of should we include those valid ordinals or not? There's not too many. You're talking about less than you know 0.1 percent, um, probably just on the order of a, a few thousand. Uh, but they are still valid. So, but what it matters in the ordering of things, right? So we we just hit a million yesterday. Uh, but if you want to include an extra thousand that are legitimately in the time like the blockchain ordering, then it would shift every number bigger. So you know someone who actually inscribed nine 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 hundred or something or you know, they actually will get a million. So I think the Ordos community has to figure that out soon. But but these are also kind of exciting times for, for Ordos in that, you know, it, things are developing. And, and I think especially the collection, the collection order that you mentioned with provenance, that will really help creators. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, with these Bitcoin ordinals, they are immutable, right? So once you put inscribe something, the you change it. The inscriptions are immutable. That's right. So like yesterday, one mil or no number of one million was recognized as piggy. That piggy will never change. Like it'll say piggy <laughs> and and yeah, someone someone can can own that or someone does own it now. And I, I think because it, it was numbered a million yesterday, there's a demand for that particular one. Yeah, I haven't dug deep into that. I saw that the 1 million threshold got crossed over, but I'm assuming that someone did that deliberately and it wasn't just because there's enough people at this point in this space, even though it's very nascent that are paying attention, someone deliberately probably tried to get a million. It wasn't just- Oh, many people. It was a race, yeah. basically. And this is interesting. So uh, Ornos or inscribing stuff on Bitcoin is making transaction fees on Bitcoin more expensive. So that is more- you know, more revenue for miners to secure a network, which is a good thing. Um, it'll, but it's also more expensive for regular people to send transactions on, on Bitcoin. Uh, but, but you could argue that that overall is a good thing too, because there are L2 solutions like Lightning and others that help scale Bitcoin. And you really want things that are written on L1 to have the value they deserve. So even transactions should be expensive if, you know, it, like all the inscriptions aren't being created, right? It should be the price of, you know, how much they're worth. So we, we you know, basically future inscriptions will really be things, people are inscribing high value things. They know it's going to be valuable. Otherwise, if it's cheap to inscribe everything, then people just inscribe junk, right? So so over time, the, you know, it's a free market, it's open, you know, system. So th those probably will work itself out as they should. And also this... The whole you know NFTs and Ornos on Bitcoin is more utility for Bitcoin itself. Now you know there are many Bitcoin holders; they can actually trade NFTs, and some of them you know will be more valuable than others. So you know they can 
basically you know stack more SAPs with with the uh, you know trading Bitcoin NFTs, and you see that on Ethereum, right? NFTs really grew over the last two three years on Ethereum, and there was more utility for for you know Ethereum. Uh, the in fact during the even today there, there's a lot of trading on NFTs on Ethereum, but during the peak, I mean basically the top two or three apps that the apps on on Ethereum were related to NFT marketplaces. Would it stand to reason, even if you're not participating in uh, the Bitcoin ordinal game, if you're just someone who has you know, purchased Bitcoin as kind of a long-term hold, that this is good in the sense that it should, if uh, we're kind of seeing the tea leaves correctly, that it should increase the value of, of uh, Bitcoin? We're seeing more people interested in Bitcoin. You know, that, that's what we saw with Ethereum too. Many people joined the Ethereum ecosystem because NFTs were there. You know, they're they're more approachable and interesting. You know, for for people to to buy and collect. So we'll see the same thing on, on Bitcoin. Okay, and then that's what you mean when in the future, like right now, inscribing something's relatively affordable. I was able to inscribe something, but you it's safe to assume and expect that in the future, that's not going to be the case. It's going to be a very high barrier entry from what you were saying. And so only the most valuable things would be worth it just because there's more cost-effective solutions to store things on a blockchain out there. Is that safe? That is when there's a lot more demand. And I mean, that's also kind of a win scenario where a lot of people are inscribing because there's just so much demand for, you know, or nodes and inscriptions. And then people also think of ways to to make it more efficient, right? Kind of what we did, right? We made it very efficient to inscribe a whole collection. So more people do it that way too. So some things will still, you know, be, um, yeah, there, there will be techniques where, you know, things can get better and better. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be the one figuring it all out as it goes along. So there's this new thing that's popped up in the last few days, Bitcoin stamps. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that that is a another way to basically put data completely on chain on Bitcoin. So the approach it uses is using the UTXOs themselves to to store the data, uh, but it, it is doing it in a way that's you know not as efficient as inscribing with ordinals. Yeah, but, but people experiment in different ways. So you know we'll, we'll see how it plays. It's, it's, that's um. It's a, it's a basically it's a less efficient way to, to store data on, on Bitcoin. So it'll also um, raise fees and and probably you know get uh, get the Bitcoin maxis all you know, upset at at kind of you know wasting Bitcoin's block space. Uh, I think it's more of a yeah. Well, I think the market had to figure out what what is what is it worth. It is too early to to really uh judge that one okay yeah just as a layman from what i read i've played around with bitcoin uh inscriptions before i haven't really i've read a little bit about the stamps so just as just a uh, person that is kind of not uh super technical oh, one thing that's sure, is sure. so inscriptions the beauty of inscriptions is it's actually very simple it's you you have basically um a space like like you say uh let's say you, you can describe a file any file mm -hmm. uh up to a certain size, right? So for a typical transaction, 400 kilobytes is approximately the, the maximum size. But basically you can describe anything, any file, right? Any file format. 
pretty much. Well, they have a, the MIME types, but basically it's a broad list of things that you can describe. So it's very flexible for an inscription. The stamp thing is very specific. It's like you can do some pixel art and it's very limiting to how much you can do or what you can do with it. So, so yeah. yeah. That was what kind of struck me immediately. I haven't dug deep into it is that it just seemed that there are a lot more constraints and it was a little bit more rigid in the requirements. So I didn't, we'll see, but I just, at least on a glance, it didn't seem as flexible, like you said, as uh, the Bitcoin ordinals protocol. So that's uh, a TBD. So for some ETH uh, folks, there's almost this perception of uh, almost resistance to getting into Bitcoin ordinals because they feel like it's going to devalue like their own tokens or they, it, there might be an impact there. So in your estimation, is like Bitcoin, are Bitcoin and Ethereum competitors? Is there a universe where both of these can thrive? Are they even like the same use cases? I mean, because there's some things that Ethereum and other layer ones and side chains and layer twos can do from what I see that Bitcoin inscriptions can't do. But it, there's some things that Bitcoin inscriptions, as we talked about, are seem to be at least superior to uh, those other uh, blockchains that we talked about. Yeah. Market. So what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Is there a universe that they both can thrive? Do so they, probably, they, they, will, they will both exist because they are very, so Bitcoin and Ethereum are very different blockchains, right? Bitcoin is about, you know, store value, high security, uh, Ethereum is about smart contracts and being able to you know do lots of different stuff. So, so yeah, NFTs on Ethereum, um, or you know you can you can on chain you know on L1 at least uh, you know do smart contract on them, right? You can't easily do that on, on Bitcoin. Bitcoin is really about you know storing high value assets there securely. There, Ornos and inscriptions will have more power. You know, over time, there are things you can actually do that have like some cool programmability inside the inscription, uh, but it will be a little different. Definitely, will be different from kind of the the smart contracts you know on the L1 on Ethereum. So, so there are pros and cons for for each. Okay, so they're yeah. really not competitors. You kind of just need both. They, like you said, there's a pros and cons for uh, Bitcoin inscriptions, Bitcoin ordinals, and Bitcoin, and then there's pros and cons of the other traditional blockchains that we've come to know. Yeah, I, I think probably one one thing that people don't like is that kind of the copy paste of, you know, existing IP on Ethereum or the illegal copy paste of existing IP on Ethereum to inscribe onto Bitcoin. That There's been a lot of that happening, right? So that's probably one of the big complaints. But um, yeah. Yeah, that's been my experience, just kind of glancing around on uh, Bitcoin out there and just seeing that, yeah, there seems to be a lot of uh, illegal type of inscriptions on there with uh, questionable provenance. So, um, yeah. yeah, but those, those things are working stuff out. It's just kind of early days. People are very excited. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot more quality um, Orinos and inscriptions, you know, in the future. Changing gears a little bit, I know that just recently Metagood, the parent company that you're CEO of, has announced a a collaboration between Asprey. I mean, you're part of a collaboration between Asprey and Bugatti. Asprey is a very well-known British luxury goods manufacturer. I think they're hundreds of years old. Uh, Bugatti is a very well-known automobile manufacturer of supercars. So can you just tell us a little bit about what that collaboration is and what Metagood's role in that is? Yeah, so you know, Asprey Bugatti, so yeah, Metagood's partnering with Asprey Studio and Bugatti. Uh, you know, these are two you know, luxury, high-end, and very old and reputable brands, right? So Asprey 
studio has been around for over 200 years and Bugatti over 100 years. And, you know, they're about, you know, high, uh, like, um, basically, you know, basically high end, you know, doing things the right way. You know, they have a, you know, amazing brands to protect. Uh, but they are also very innovative and, you know, see kind of where Web3 and, and digital assets in particular is going, right? The world is going towards digital assets. And they want to make the best digital assets, just like they make, you know, the best physical objects and best physical designs, right? And and so, you know, Asprey has amazing jewelry and and other art that they create, you know, physical objects. And Bugatti is very well known for basically the, the best cars in the world. So they they want to make the best digital assets in the world. And they, you know, what better chain to do it on than Bitcoin, right? So when when this opportunity, you know, was available to them. Uh, they were looking to see you know, how could they how they could be part of it, and you know, Metagood and Anchi Monkey were known for also doing things you know with very high quality and being very innovative. So, you know, they reached out to us and we started talking. It still took a while to get the whole deal done, but it was it was a great fit. Both you know, Metagood, Asprey, Bugatti, and and Bitcoin. I think this is and it'll be very exciting to, to see you know another high quality thing. You know, putting being put on onto Bitcoin through Ornos. Is MetaGood going to play a role? Like, are they almost going to be like a consulting service for some of these mainstream brands and Bitcoin ordinals and inscriptions? Or how do you foresee that playing? Oh no! We, so how we see it is, you know, MetaGood is very focused on on-chain monkey. We're building the brand of on-chain monkey. You know, we we are. So as I said, you know, we're about art, technology, and community. So you know, we have this very you know, strong community around also our values, rise, respect, integrity, sustainability, and, and empower, sorry, enrichment, uh, which used to be, you know, experimentation in the past. And it's, we, we're building, you know, we continue to build there. And when we have, uh, you know, the kind of right opportunities to also, you know, you know, build with others, I mean, because Web3 is also about, you know, collaboration and growing the space. So with Asprey Studios and Bugatti, you know, we saw a great partnership that we could we could launch this the Asprey Bugatti A collection. Yeah, but our focus is building the brand of Anche Monkey, you know, OCM. Yeah, I mean, as a holder, uh, I love to see it and seeing that MetaGood is uh, being that they've positioned themselves in a place where they could help support some of these other brands to you know come mainstream. Uh, but I think one thing I definitely will say that I love about this collection, I'm going to butter you up a little bit here, but I'm not intending to, is that I always see you, Amanda, good things, always constantly on Twitter spaces, very accessible, but at the same time, you manage like everything else very well. You're always on Discord. You're always everywhere, like omnipresent, all three of you, being able to kind of just like, you know, uh, get the messaging out, take care of like the day-to-day -day business do the technical innovations that you guys have been doing day in, day out. So um, love what you guys are doing with uh, those two uh, luxury brands there. So before we close it off, I know that there's a lot of things that on-chain monkey holders can expect in the coming, you know, whether it's weeks or months uh, that uh, have been talked a little bit about. Uh, for example, like I'm a full set holder. I know that there's some things coming out uh, for not just full set holders, but that positions me better as a full set holder to be able to get uh, some of those things. So can you tell us a little bit about what we can expect for holders or, you know, perspective holders, like what they can look forward to? Totally. So the, the big thing coming out are, so we're, we're very focused on, 
Bitcoin for the next you know few months. And the we already talked about how you know Genesis is on twenty twenty one nine. So being able to to claim your actual you know Bitcoin Arno for your Genesis, you know that will be coming out uh, in the you know near future. That that is waiting on the upgrade on the Arno's protocol that we kind of talked about earlier with the collection supporting collections with the with the actual minting the the um, the you know individual ones in the collection. But the other exciting thing that's coming that's more immediate is the dimensions. So OCM dimensions uh, collection on Bitcoin. So that is you know 3D art. It is it is a very cool 3D art uh, collection that will be coming. That's using you know Genesis DNA and and also as a holder that you mentioned. You know set holders will have you know very good uh, opportunity to collect that. And that will come out around the time that the Asprey Bugatti A collection will come out. So th these are the, those are the two uh, immediate things and very exciting things that also show, you know, kind of high quality Ornos collections. Yeah, I think uh, that's why we've seen the floor price rise a lot. It's just there's uh, kind of like crypto punk vibes almost with this collection. And then soon, uh, in sometime in the future, we're going to be talking about on-chain monkey vibes. That's going to be like the baseline that people are comparing to. So it's uh, as a holder, I have to say I'm very excited about you know what's to come in the future. Also, I think one thing we can touch on is there's a DAO where if you are a token holder of a Genesis or a Karma, you get a vote on this DAO, and that DAO has 2,500, 2,000 ETH. Yeah, it's two thousand ETH, so it's, it's a good, good amount. Uh, and and also in New York City, so N NFT NYC uh, this coming week, we have a number of events. So if you you know look at our Twitter, you'll you'll see kind of schedule for for the holders who can make it. And then uh, uh, let's see, the next one will be the next big community event will be also my Bitcoin Miami next month. So yeah, a number of IRL things, and then also you know community organized things you know, over the world, yeah, community run, and we empower them to to do do these IRL events. Yeah, very cool. All right, well I know that you know you are a very busy man. I really do appreciate Danny you making the time to uh, hop on the podcast, talk a little bit about on chain monkeys, about Bitcoin ordinals, about the collaboration. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, wish you all the best. Thank you. Yeah, great to be on. Wow. Danny was a great guest, someone that many of us look up to in this space, myself included, and we're just so thankful to have him on the podcast. So thank you. Now it's everyone's favorite moment. Our shout outs to everyone who minted the last episode of the podcast. So for those of you listening for the first time, each episode is available as a free mint with the link in the show notes. And why would you want to mint? Minting signals support for the guests in the podcast we're also the first podcast that releases each episode as a free mint, so you'll be partaking in, you know, the first of something. Also, our hope is, since we're very early in the game, that these episodes will be vintage and maybe even valuable one day. If you do mint, you'll get a shout-out by name at the end of the next episode, so I think it's always kind of cool to hear that. Um, and lastly, we do reward mentors of the podcast, for example... Everyone who's had a full set of podcast episodes thus far was just rewarded with, with uh, their own personalized 
Bitcoin inscription that was airdropped to them. So we're always doing cool things. Who knows? We might even be rewarding people for minting this episode. So stay tuned. Anyways, let's get to it, to the to the shout outs. But before uh, I start naming the mentors of the last episode, I just want to take a moment and thank our last guest, Freddie from Dead Fellas. They're an amazing guest, amazing story. Uh, we really do appreciate them showing up and uh, supporting us. So thank you for that. So first up is Charming Bastard, um, also known as The Rev. He's a name that you've frequently heard on this podcast. He's a full set holder, so thank you. Appreciate you, man. Next up is Deco Life, who uh, was a guest actually last season, um, also a full set holder. Thank you so much for minting. SJS Inc., a dead fella, also a full set holder. You're awesome. Thank you so much for minting. Inceptually, a very popular guest, full set holder. Thank you, thank you, thank you for minting. I think I've been saying DVD Dan's name. I think it's DV Dan, uh, but for some reason that DVD in capital letters just really pops out at me and makes me want to say that first before getting to his name. I know in real life, and I don't think I'm doxing him because it's in his name. Uh, I just know him as Dan. But uh, I think his name was intended to be DV Dan, so I will be, I'll be better about calling you that, Dan. So, DV Dan, you're such such an amazing supporter for all creators in the space, and just a a really warm person. The way that you support people, um, not just artists, but collectors and just other people. So I I, I can't uh, I can't express my gratitude for you enough. So thank you for minting. Looking forward to seeing you at NFT NYC. Emil MTO, a talented, go to his, go to his profile. He's a very talented artist at Emil MTO. Also just someone who's really supportive of others, never has anything negative to say about um, other people in this space or other things going on in this space. He's been through a lot. He's very open about his journey, his story. Um, So Emil, thank you for being you and thank you for minting. Lundy. Um, Lundy and I have kind of an interesting history in the sense that we have come to know each other because, uh, I accidentally bought one of his stolen tokens and, uh, obviously it was an accident, but we've become good friends as a result of that. Uh, and he's also someone who's pretty well known in the space frequently on, um, he's frequently hosting Twitter spaces. So go check him out. Lundy, thank you so much for minting and, uh, glad to call you a friend. Travi in the journey. Travi's a very good friend of mine. We actually just met up in person a few days ago, enjoyed a good steak, talked a lot about NFTs, talked a lot about podcasting. He does have a great podcast called uh, Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. I announced on my last episode that we'll be making some changes to our podcast and um, in all transparency, um, you know, there's some things that I will be borrowing from Travi. I'm always learning from others and best practices and there's some things that he does really well where I think I can take some of those things. Not not exactly the way that he's been doing them, but there's just some some good uh, notes that I could take down from him and the way that he executes certain things. So definitely have uh, seen what he's doing that I think really works really well and want to incorporate those uh, in this podcast. And I've been very open with him about that and shared that with him over dinner. So Travi, uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for everything that you do in this space. Thank you for everything that you do at schools. You're really an awesome person. So looking forward to seeing you again at NFT NYC. NFT Breezy, uh, 
He's actually someone who I met in person at NFT NYC last year. He's one of the co-founders of one of my favorite collections, Uncanny Country Club. And what I really like about this particular collection is the art's amazing. The founders are very accessible. And I like the way that although they run it in a very fun way, I know internally they treat it very much as a business. So uh, they have like a weekly Twitter spaces. They go over what they uh, delivered on, what they're committing to, timelines, very much like a business is run in real life. And that's what I love so much about him. I feel so bullish about the team. So NFT's Breezy, thank you so much for minting. And the last person I wanted to give a shout out to is Gator1977. I think this is a newer minter. I don't really recognize that name. So Thank you for minting and welcome to the society. So we did have a little bit smaller group of people that minted this last episode. Uh, so so fewer names called out this time around. We are working on maybe solutions that would make it a little bit easier to mint the podcast just because there are several steps involved in minting. And then in addition to that, what are becoming more and more higher gas fees, which is Signals that the space is doing better, but that also creates a barrier for entry for some. So we're very mindful and cognizant of that and kind of looking into alternative solutions, which is something that I touched on on the last episode. So anyways, again, thank you for all those that minted, especially thank you for even if you don't mint, just being a listener. It just it's so awesome uh, to have that kind of level of support from you guys. This podcast wouldn't be as successful without you all. Uh, if you are going to be at NFT NYC, send me a DM. I'd love to meet up with you um, and just, you know, talk shop a little bit. So I'll talk to you guys soon. And that concludes this show. I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please, please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. It helps boost the podcast and hopefully the value of the podcast NFT if you decide to mint. Thank you, and until next time. Thank you.